Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Brindley. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we're going to get to these playoff games a little bit later in the show. They're still going. They're still going to play them. Are you sure? Yeah. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought perhaps last season uh, they wrapped up around, like, November, I feel like. But uh, here we are in, in mid-January. They're still they're still playing postseason football. You know, every Netflix special now leaves you without, uh, like, an unease where there's no ending. <laughs> and so the ending is just that, you know, life is difficult. And so I think the NFL should just try that one year. Like, one year after Wild Card Weekend, just be like, you know, the champion's who you think it is. You yes. know, and then, and then just let, like, people on Reddit decide yep. who the NFL meant to be champion. I, I just think once, once in a blue moon, you have to try that. I like it. Yeah, theorize about your own ending. Yes, yes. Um, because that's what this is all about. At the end of the day, it's about you. Mm-hmm. It's about me. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I don't. We had a really, we had a really decent Super Wild Card weekend. Bucks and um, Cowboys was just sad. That whole game was just sadness for me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't derive any comedy from that, um, or any sort of pseudo joy like i'm not one of those people that's like ah tom brady's not succeeding you know i don't i don't really get any sort of jump start out of that i don't know but even if you do get a jump start out of that uh it's kind of too late (laughs) like if you hate tom brady like sorry he already did all the stuff that he did before and like there's there's no real downside for him at this point. He's just, you know, he's going to do his thing. Uh, we'll talk about Brady a little bit later and maybe what his future holds. We're also going to talk about the Cowboys' uh, suddenly just wild kicker situation. Uh, looks like they're going to stick with Brett Maher here. But uh, I wanted to start the show with a couple of coordinator developments. One we touch on just a little bit on the Sunday show, although we didn't... Um, we didn't have any closure on what the Chargers were going to do staffing-wise. And then we have uh, one hot coaching name just saying no thanks to everyone and saying he's staying put. But uh, let's start with Joe Lombardi uh, out in Los Angeles. Uh, Justin Herbert next year will have a new... Uh, Shane Day is out as, as quarterback's coach as well. Uh, so Justin Herbert's going to have a new uh, sort of offensive brain trust there uh, with the Chargers. Though it should be pointed out... 
Brandon Staley is, I mean, he has an offensive background, uh, not his most recent coaching background, but, uh, you know, he was a quarterback and, and, uh, you know, he, he probably has a little bit more, I don't know, uh, a little bit more qualified to weigh in on, uh, some of the offensive, uh, game playing they're going to be doing. He is, but the problem is right. He was a quarterback for. Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. And, <laughs> so, and, and I think that formulated a lot of the basis of, you know, what he likes and appreciates out of offense. And obviously having access to the Sean McVay tree is going to be huge. I think there are three or four guys there that you could easily bring over and they would be successful day one coordinators. I'll call kind of a little bit of a penalty. If I were, if you're backing up to say the middle of the season and everyone saw the writing on the wall here and if you were stale, you knew that was one of the three outcomes, right? Either you perform really well, and then you get to kind of remake the front office the way that you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Either you perform really poorly, and you're gone, or it lands somewhere in the middle, and you got to kind of you got to scapegoat the situation. You knew that that was one of the three possibilities. I I would have liked to have seen Shane Day at least get a crack at that role. Yeah. And see what it, what he would have been able to do, like just kind of switch boats midway through the season and even say like, you know, because I know Joe is really important to him and I know that they're, uh, you know, they're tied at the hip and just be like, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to shake things up a little bit like Joe is going to do something else for a little while. Shane's going to call plays and we're going to see how that goes. You know, I don't know. I mean, interpersonal dynamics in these situations are all really difficult, but feels like you kind of had to throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> right? I, I was just I thinking did, about that. Did people used to do that? <laughs> it's like, man, I don't even want to put a visual in your head. It's like, well, we got to clean the tub, but no, it's terrible. Like <laughs> the, the baby's in there. What do you do? I don't know. I guess just throw it out with the bathwater. Life was hard back then. I don't know when it, the then is there. But, yeah. Uh, hopefully. I mean, hopefully never, but, um, you know, maybe you want to just – I think that you could have handled it a little bit differently because that's one of those situations where as a coach, certainly you're in tunnel vision and you're not seeing anything that the rest of us are seeing, right? I mean, I think if you mm-hmm. would have asked anybody during the middle of the season what's going to happen with the Chargers coaching staff, they said they're going to have to get a new offensive coordinator to the, fact, to the point where people are like they're going to have to get one like now in the middle of the season. And so I think at the end of the day – Knowing the dynamics there, knowing the Spanos family, knowing what they're probably comfortable with doing and not doing, you just had to see that coming. And I don't know, you know, maybe if you like Shane, if you would have wanted to give him a chance, because I think he's really good. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about him anyway. And so uh, that's one of those things where, you know, I don't know, just a thought. But all that said, I think this job is primo. I mean, I think people are going to be lined up out the door. I mean, Sean Payton essentially like <laughs> had a two-year evil plot to seemingly to get this head coaching job so he could have this offense and work with it. So I think a lot of people are going to be uh, kicking and shoving and uh, trying to force their way in there. Two kind of trees that I would look out for, you look at the Rams tree mm-hmm. um, because I think they have a lot of guys there. Um, two and a half, let's say. Maybe some of the Shanahan tree. Um, although I just don't know if they're quite set up to do that exactly. Um, and then I would look at the Eagles tree too, because I know that Herbert really likes Shane Steichen mm-hmm. and that coaching staff is, is deep. It's very, very deep. And so I think that there's a lot of promising young guys on that staff too. So, yeah, he, of course had Steichen there as his offense coordinator, uh, as a rookie, uh, back when Anthony Lynn was the head coach. So, uh, there's, a. Uh... It's interesting because a lot of times we'll look at this thing and be like, well, embattled head coach, maybe you're one and done. And maybe you are one and done. Maybe they go, you know, we've seen stranger things from the Chargers. Maybe they go 6-11 and 11 next year and uh, and Brandon Staley's out and then the whole thing is, uh, uh, is in trouble here. But uh, Staley really did such a nice job with the defensive side of the ball. And on top of that... Look, I, I don't know exactly what went into the sort of ultra-conservative, shorter passing game that the Chargers utilized this season. I do think it had something to do with like the Rashawn Slater injury and the fact that they didn't trust the offensive line up front. You have Slater back next season. I mean, he was uh, potentially going to come back if they if they went on a deep playoff run. 
it, there's just so much to work with here, and you figure it's going to be pretty good on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, not to mention, you know, the quarterback is just spectacular. He's probably one of the uh, top five in the game. He's a guy who was going to be in the M- MVP conversation for the next decade. Like, there's, you know, if, if you have head coaching aspirations, it's nice to sort of have the Chargers breakout uh, on your resume, and there's a, there's a big potential for it here. Yeah, I mean, this is this has the trappings of one of those. I mean, it's a prickly situation, right? Because someone comes in next year, rocks it, get the Chargers to the playoffs. Herbert looks like a top five MVP caliber player, and then you're gone. You're a head coach, right? Mm-hmm. Because the the if then um, the if then proof is there, right? Here here's how mediocre this offense looked one year. Here's how great it looked the next year, even if. Like you said, there are different elements in there. Maybe Mike Williams is healthy for a whole season. Maybe they add at the wide receiver position. I do think that position is getting a little old for them. Um, you know, and I think that's something they're going to have to consider. Maybe they do a lot of that stuff this offseason to uh, to to shake things up. But all of that said, you know, the NFL is a little too simplistic, right? There's a lot of owners who are going to be like, oh, they were bad last year. Now they're good. So get me that mm-hmm. guy, please. So the other big coordinator news on the offense side of the ball, uh, Lions offense coordinator Ben Johnson says no thanks to everyone, and he's going to stay in Detroit for at least one more year here and uh, be a part of what the Lions are building, which looks, I don't know, pretty promising at this point. Uh, but he was such a he was such a hot name at this point, and I don't know, he's just kind of saying uh, no thanks, Denver Broncos and Houston Texans and and these kind of you know, kind of underwhelming head coach openings we're looking at. Uh, maybe just not the right fit for him as far as what he's uh, looking for in his first head coaching job. And, uh, you know, certainly good things happening in Detroit right now. So, yeah, I mean, I would put this as the stunner of the offseason, at least in the coaching world, right? Because at least to me, and you know, that we're taping this on Wednesday morning, you know, I went back and I checked on a few of the things late Tuesday after the news. And I mean, I, and we, we reported this a a while ago. I, I, he was the front runner for the Panthers job in the way that like, you know, you would say like Kip Choge is the favorite for every marathon that he's in. Right. It's like, okay, we're pretty sure he's going to get it. Something could happen Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, but you know, we think that they like him quite a bit. And so, um, I, you know, in, in asking about the Panthers job in, in particular, the word I got was like regrouping at this point, right? Because they kind of had a guy that they loved and who knows how it all kind of broke down. Um, maybe he really was just loyal to that Lions staff. Um, maybe he knows that he's got his choice of jobs next year, which I, maybe, right? You know, as a coach, sometimes, right, you have to strike when the iron's hot. Maybe it just didn't feel right. Um, this is a weird say weird set of owners right i would say like if you're <laughs> if you're taking it and that's you know uh you know but uh, what is yeah. it oh, you know uh, <laughs> yep as, as one coach said to me once you know what isn't a weird group of owners but if you look at it you have the broncos situation which is difficult you have the texans and they've fired two head coaches year after year so maybe you're a little bit hesitant to take that job, even though they, there's no way they would fire another head coach after another year, I I would guess. Um, you have the Panthers, and Tepper is, you know, just might not be everybody's cup of tea, you know? I don't know. I mean, I think he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of mm-hmm. resources. I think he's passionate about winning. Um, but maybe, maybe the vibe just didn't work. I don't know. Um, and then you have the Colts, and, like, you know, I'm not interviewing for that job. If if I'm like, are you just gonna hire Jeff Saturday and make yeah. like Dan Orlovsky the OC? Like I'm not, like I'm not coming in here and interviewing for that job if that's what you're doing. So I, you know, I'm gonna put you guys over in the bucket over there. And then the Cardinals, you know, Michael Bidwill is very involved, wants to be very involved with everything, and that works for some guys. Some people are cool with that. Some people can manage that, and some people can't. And so maybe for Ben, it's like, okay, I'm looking at the landscape right now, and it's like, oh. Uh, I see a couple jobs in like two years that I kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll just coach my butt off. And, you know, he's he's young. I think he'll have chances. He'll have opportunities. Um, but uh, still a surprise. I kind of like that Panthers job. 
Yeah, it's uh, look. I, I think it's a cool decision to make uh, to be I a do. part of the thing that that you you know he's been a part of this sort of rebuild from the ground up. Uh, there's also risk. I mean, we were talking two years ago about Joe Brady as sort of a hot candidate. Then he loses his job in Carolina, whether that was logical or not. And uh, you know, he's kind of not in the conversation uh, at this point. He he might be again in a year or two, but. Um, you know, there's risk along with it. If if uh, if Jared Goff slides back, if uh, you know they miss the playoffs again, is he as hot a name? I don't know. Because the pro, I mean, right? I think this is the good thing and the bad thing. The good thing about coaching expectations are that you did something right, and you really are so close to turning this thing around. Um, and so that's a compliment to you guys and the decisions that you made and the system that you put in place. But now the expect, like, I don't know, I'm ready to pick the Lions to win 11 games next year. Are you? Certainly they can win that division. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to rub it. Vikings fans are feeling it. I, I, I don't want to rub it in here, but, uh, the Lions were better than the Vikings this year. They, they not way better, but they were just better. Uh, the Vikings just won more coin flips and that's what it came down to. I can't believe they lost that game. Oh, wait, I can, because I picked it. <laughs> There's, uh, again, nice year for the Viking. Good moments there. Uh, remember it as remember it fondly when you look back, if you're uh, if you're a Minnesota fan. But, yeah, sure. that's the way it goes. Your team wasn't that good. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, we're actually tying a coordinator uh, development and a quarterback development here. Uh, the quarterback is Tom Brady. Uh, the Bucks, of course, sort of go out with a whimper in what was, what a weird year. And what an expectedly weird year, because I think it was, boy, pretty clear that Tom Brady wasn't terribly interested in playing this season with the Bucks. And then you have all the offensive line injuries, and it just added up to uh, a lot of badness, a lot of bad football in Tampa this year. And, and I think Brady kind of pulled him out uh, a couple of times. Uh, we'll start with Brady's future and then we'll sort of get to Byron Leftwich, who of course was, uh, interviewing for a head coaching job last year and now is out as the offense coordinator in Tampa as they, I, I, I mean, I don't know how hard this reset's going to be. Uh, Tom Brady was kind of the organiz organization's identity. And I guess it's not a 100% clinch that he is leaving Tampa, but, Man, would it be a, what a shocker it would be if you returned. Right. Um, which is, I I just don't know. I wrote this, so we'll put a couple things in different buckets here. With Brady in particular, my hope for him is that he legitimately takes time. Like, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury has the right idea. Just vanish to Thailand, you know? Mm -hmm. Become unfindable. Um get in touch with life outside of this sport for a second and really figure it out. Because I feel like last year, I, I, do, I just don't think you could be in complete sound and mind and body if you thought that that Sean Payton plan was going to work. Like, if you were just like, yeah, no, um, the Dolphins are going to make me part owner. Uh, mm -hmm. The Buccaneers just aren't going to care if I leave and don't come back. And then somehow we're just going to get Sean Payton out of his Saints contract and everything's going to work out. No, I mean, that was never going to work. Um, and I don't know if that's some sort of like red herring, um, but it's one of those situations where I just feel like there wasn't a lot of thought and effort put into that decision. <laughs> um, it, so I would say really take some time. Like don't go to an F1 race with an owner, like just vanish vanish to the most remote part of the world and just be like, what do I want to do? Um, you know, do I want to play for the Raiders? Do I want to play for the Dolphins? Um, you know, I don't think the 49ers are on the table anymore. You know, there's probably like three or four teams, right? Um, you have options, but is this what you really want to do? Cause there's always a chance that it turns out a lot like this year. Right. And, you know, even best laid plans, because uh, the only guarantee that you have, you have a 20 year sample size of working with Bill Belichick and you know what that looks like and you mm -hmm. know what the results are. Otherwise, there's nothing. But boy, wouldn't it be cool if you went back to New England for one more year? <laughs> Not for Mac Jones. 
It would be way uncool for Mac Jones. But it'd be yeah, cool. it would be it'd be cool if he went back. It would be cool if he went back, sure. Pull LeBron. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the thing I kind of wonder about with Brady is you've kind of had it both ways now. You've been in the place where uh you know, you've sort of been and I don't want to overstate this cuz I do think it gets blown out of proportion with the Patriots, but you know, you're kind of under the, under the thumb of the coaching staff. Like there there's a very clear player coach relationship and expectation and that's what he came up in um uh, and he goes to tampa and look i, I don't want to necessarily do a whole lot of armchair psychologist here with tom brady but i do think he recognized tampa as a place where he could kind of run the show <laughs> to an right. extent like he kind of could wield as much power as he wanted um, I think he, you know, he probably liked the staff fine. I don't know if he necessarily respected their coaching staff in a way that, uh, you'd kind of want your quarterback to, especially if you were one of those coaches. And, uh, I think that's why you have some staff changes going on there. But, uh, you know, what does he want next? Does I, I it seems like he's a guy who's really intrigued by working with, a really smart offensive, you know, like a Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, should they want to move on from Brock Purdy slash Trey Lance, or maybe just take a year where Tom Brady runs that offense? Uh, you know, you mentioned Miami. I, I, it's funny. Like I was thinking, like, oh, if you're Miami, we talked about this a little bit. It's like you have to like quietly back channel. It's like I guess if you're Miami. You really don't at this point because you've nope. already so sloppily done it in the past. You've already. Uh, <laughs> You've already signaled to Tua Tungamayaloa that uh, you know you're you'll jump on Tom Brady in a second, and uh, and that'll be that. Uh, and, you know the head coach wasn't a part of that, so I guess Mike McDaniel has to be um, kind of separate from all of that. And then obviously in Vegas, and there's you know I mean whatever Jared Stidham hasn't claimed that job or anything, so you could go there reunite with Josh McDaniels and uh, and kind of do that. And you got a you got a pretty good group of guys there, Darren Waller, and and uh, if they bring Josh Jacobs back, obviously Devontae Adams, uh, that's not a bad landing spot. That seems like the most logical one uh, as far as just a team with a clear quarterback need and a place where Brady would, would fit um, as a player and with the staff and with the, uh, with the locker room at this point. But uh, Byron Leftwich, look, again, he was really close to getting that Jaguars job. Uh, yeah. last year before it went to Doug Peterson. I'm not sure what happens now because it was such an ugly year. Uh, there weren't really solutions for this offense once the offensive line was was banged up. And on top of that, you just kind of, you know, everything that leaked out about Brady sort of, you know, doing his separate meetings and essentially being his own offensive coordinator to an extent uh it just didn't look very good for Byron Leftwich in the end. Yeah, I thought that was uncool from top to bottom, basically, because if you're Tom, I mean, and, and I don't know how it leaked out. I'm not saying that Tom is the person who leaked it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that there's, you realize what your stamp of approval is, it means to people now. And, um, you know, maybe you feel like they didn't earn it like you earned it. I don't know what it is, but... I feel like there's a certain, you know, a lot of really good people have been pushed through the meat grinder to make this a, a, a tenable situation for you, right? Yeah. Now Bruce Arians looks like a silly old man, even though he's one of the best offensive minds that we've had of the last, you know, half decade. He was pushed out unceremoniously. Um, Todd Bowles took his second and final head coaching opportunity to make this work and make you happy. Um, and Byron Leftwich, you know, who knows? Maybe he was telling some of these teams, like, no, I'm going to run it back with Tampa. Like, I don't want to take a head coaching job. Maybe he thought that he had another opportunity after this mm -hmm. year. And, and, like, the things that you say and the things that you do matter a great deal in terms of how it works with these guys and the remainder of their life. Like, Bruce Arians didn't want to be done coaching. He's sitting up there in the booth. They show him every game just like – trying to get back into the action and he won a Super Bowl. It's not like he, you know, he's not a bad coach. And so, I don't know. I uh I thought that whole thing could have been handled better. I think Byron Leftwich will land somewhere. 
Um, it's not like he became a bad coach overnight. Bruce Arians has had tabbed him as a head coach in waiting since 2015 to, or yeah. 2017, maybe. I think he joined the staff. But w- whenever it was, it was, you know, I, 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 I just I find it hard to imagine that he got bad overnight. I think that there's a lot of injuries. The Buccaneers ran up against it. And maybe Tom was trying to do some of the things that Tom does and they just weren't working. And that now negatively reflects on the coordinator. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Well, let's uh, let's pivot to the Cowboys, the team that eliminated the Bucks on Monday night. Obviously, we did not cover the result of the Monday night game on the Monday morning uh, show that we did. Real nice night for Dak Prescott. I, you know, I, I think it was fair to kind of be like, all right, we've seen Dak play really poorly in a postseason game before. Uh, with that commander's performance in Week 18, was that kind of a sign of things to come in another playoff disappointment? Or is he ready to play like the guy? I mean, come on. It, I don't know what the narrative was. Uh, that was sort of growing about Dak Prescott not having a really good season. He had a really good season. <laughs> he had a really bad opener. He had a really bad final game. In between that, MVP caliber is overstating it, but he was really good. He was easily a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this year. So, uh, and, and he played like it on Monday night. Uh, really nice, nice performance here. Of course, the one thing that went wrong for the Cowboys is uh, the kicker just missed every kick except for the last one i i couldn't believe so first of all i want to say this i was somewhat refreshed by humanity and then slightly unrefreshed when i tweeted this but i said that my timeline was mostly sympathy for him which i thought was like okay i think i've curated the right twitter where Mm -hmm. most of these people are sober enough in their outlook on the world that's like my god like imagine if i'm an accountant and i just walk into my office one day and when i see an excel spreadsheet i just punch the computer screen instead of typing you know yeah like that's what's going on with him and you know um steve magnus who's a performance expert wrote like a, a great book on on this uh actually weighed in during the game and i thought um his comments were really valuable too but do you have any idea how hard that is to stop that once it starts cascading mm-hmm. and everyone was saying, no, don't let him kick. Don't let him kick. Like get him out of the stadium. And I was the other way. I said, keep, if he wants to keep going out there, you have to let him continue to go out there because if you don't, then the problem lasts another day where if you're Maher, right, you knock that fifth one through the uprights. If I were him, I would have sarcastically celebrated. Like I won the super bowl. You get out in front of it. You mm-hmm. accept the fact that you had a bad day and you move on. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm so happy. I mean, the NFL is such a brutal cutthroat world. And the fact that they're sticking by him, the fact that they let him keep going out, 
let kept letting him go out there and kick kick extra points. Um, I thought it was great because I'll say this: there's a lot of kickers in the NFL who feel that they're just like kind of psychologically on an island on that team. Uh, yeah. I I did a I did a story in 2020. I don't know how much of this has changed, but. Um, only like a very small handful of teams have either a special teams coordinator who was a kicker or a special teams assistant with kicking or punting experience. So there's nobody on that staff, you know, special teams coordinator is kind of like, like a linebacker, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a Larry Izzo type, you know, whatever. Um, and he's never kicked and he doesn't understand what that is. I know he knows kickers, but a lot of these coaches, I mean, you, your Rex Ryan said on get up a couple of years ago, right? Like, no, oh, you know, you know, you sh- this is sh- this is your job. If you screw it up, you're an idiot. Whatever, whatever. And I've talked to kickers about this. They're like, you know, we are just constantly threatened, like our family, our existence, everything. And so, to you know, to have some of these teams where there's a kicker on the sideline, a former kicker, just putting my their arm around me and being like, hey, dude, like this is gonna be cool. Like we're gonna fix this, and you know, you're still gonna work here, and everything's gonna be fine. It's night and day. Justin Tucker has one, um, for example. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, John Harbaugh recognized the importance of getting that guy that job. And so my last bit of this rant was I asked a couple people, I was like, what do you think an in-season, in-season kicking consultant would cost you, roughly? What do you think someone would do it for? So what, what do you think the answer is to that? You might have wrote the headline for this. So you might have my story. The oh, number man. was in the headline. So I don't know if you're uh, uh, no, un- unfit I don't think, to judge. I don't think I did. Uh, I remember the story. I don't remember the number, though. I mean, what, 50000 50000 I mean, yeah? they said like a consultant would come in and do that for a season for 50000 bucks. And if you think about what you spend money on, if you were to miss a chance to go to the Super Bowl via a field goal and it as an owner would have cost you $50,000 to fix it how silly would you feel you know totally I think this is a good moment to repound the table for kicking specific consultants or experts being in the building no I agree and uh Man, I'm I'm glad he got out there for the last one. I, Me too. <laughs> it was a little bit horrifying when they went for it on fourth down. It's like, oh, if they don't get this fourth down, he's not going to kick again today. Yep. Like that'll that'll be it. And I don't know if that was kind of by design at that point, but uh, that was kind of horrifying. And when he, you know, he had pushed the, I, I think it was the first two, and then when he overcompensated and pulled the third one, um. That was uh that was worrisome. And it, again, we talk about small sample size stuff all the time. It's not only small sample size; it's such a uh, it's such an exacting motion that you're going through. Uh, it's just it's so easy for this thing to completely go off the rails. But um, he had such a good season. <laughs> He's a good kicker overall, body of work, and and we'll see going forward. But yeah, it it, it obviously. I mean, you go back to, to Nate Kading um, a couple years ago. Uh, you know, Stephen Guskowski went through a little bit of this, not quite to not not quite condensed into into one night on national television, but he had some PAT issues, and uh, you know, he can get over it. But uh, you know, again, if he whatever, if he pushes a 48 yarder a little bit wide on uh you know in, in San Francisco here I don't know it's just what happens sometimes this makes me think about so I, I was thinking about a couple of Super Bowl stories that I've done on kicking and long snapping and it makes me feel so bad that I even went down this line of questioning with these players, like in the days before one of the biggest events of their life. If I think, mm-hmm. of, you know, cause like, I remember asking Steven Goskowski about this, whoever the Patriots long snapper was, I was like, you know, what happens if you snap the ball, just like fling it over his head, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, they, they had the right answer. Where it's like, well, we're, we're preparing for that, you know, or, you know, whatever we, this is why we practice. But like, in the back of their head, they're probably like, what are you doing, you goober? Why are you asking me about this? Like, why are you even putting that in? Why are you even putting that out in the universe? Um, I think um, Goskowski, we got into it after um, I asked him about 
kicking off during that wave of flash photography as the game starts and cell phones have kind yep. of changed that the but i was like did that ever impact anything like is there a different sensory experience kicking into that wall of photographs and stuff and if anybody had a take on that i would figure it would be bill belichick's kicker but i think as the conversation went on i was like yeah what happens if you just miss one of those that's gotta be bad huh and then <laughs> You know, and, and at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm 25. I'm asking a probing question. And now, as like a 34-year-old, I'm just like, oh, God. Like, why would you even put that out in the universe? I'm very sorry, Stephen Goskowski and anybody else. I think I also asked centers. Because do you remember the um, the the Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl where the first snap, the center fires it over Peyton Manning's head and the Seahawks yep. score, and then they win by like 50 points? Yeah. Um. I asked a bunch of centers about that. Like, how bad would that be if that happened? And, like, they're all, like, really bad. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm, uh, I, feel, I feel really bad about that. How bad would it be if you went out for the opening snap and then you realized you had to pee? Never happened to you. <laughs> oh man, and everyone you ever loved, like it, I, well, yeah, um, I, yeah, I won't do that anymore. I, I realized how uncool that was. We, uh, we had Dylan Howlett, who uh, used to do some stuff for us at Sports Illustrated, and now has moved on to a more fulfilling job uh, and life, most likely. Uh, he wrote about Nate Caden a couple years ago for us on a three-part series. If you like long-form stuff, I'll put that in the show notes. And also, Kalen had done uh, uh, The Longest Snap. It was, uh, oh, which of the kitchens was it? It was Todd, I think, but I'll look it up as we go. Uh, he was the one who had the yips before the second Belichick-Brady Super Bowl, and uh, Adam Minitari missed a couple of kicks, but it was issues with the snap, and then he had to do the last run of the game, and it was uh, it was a freakout. But he uh, he fired it. He got the snap in, and you know, <laughs> it's boy, what a nightmare existence. <laughs> yeah, it was Brian Kinchin, by the way. Uh, I, I had the wrong kitchen, so Brian Kinchin was the Patriots long snapper. Uh, one more before we get to a rapid-fire preview of the divisional round. Uh, so we had Rand Carthon get the Titans GM job. Uh, the former uh, 49ers, he was also in the Giants front office. Uh, <laughs> so Trey Lance, what, what social media channel are, are we talking about here, Connor? Instagram? I believe it's... It's Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Trey Lance posts cryptic message after Titans hire new general manager. That that would be the uh, that's the headline. okay. So. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you know, Rank Carthon was there when they drafted Trey Lance, and now Trey Lance might be looking for work because yes. if it's you know even if it's not Tom Brady or something, I don't know. It's it's Brock Purdy now in San Francisco. Three of these. Three of these fingers crossed emojis. Man. So, um, that's just, uh, that's, I mean, listen, we're all going to be accused of blowing this out of the water, but I do think that it's, it starts a valuable discussion, right? Where Brock Purdy's phenomenal and minus a complete and total meltdown in the playoffs. And even include, like, I think even including a complete and total meltdown in the playoffs, like that guy's got to factor in as into the conversation for next year as your starting quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, and if let's say he went to, to you know, Carthen goes to Tennessee and he offers you guys a penny on the dollar for that, like, you know, yeah, Trey Lance got a second surgery, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know. What if he offers you a one back? Do you take that and just say, okay, it was a cool idea we had. Not going to work. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely for a one. I was going to say it might even be a day two at this point. But uh, do you think he's do you think the stock has fallen to that level? It the injury. It's stuff. It's know, really it, tough to say. I, yeah. I really like him. I if I were if the Titans hired me, I'd give up a one to get uh, to get Trey Lance in there. But uh, I think at this point and especially with the clock continuing to tick on the rookie deal and you kind of have to make a decision pretty soon 
and you got to get him in there. You got to figure out. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot to figure out with Trey Lance. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it might be a day two pick that that gets him in this point. Boy, I would do that in a heartbeat. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans. Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's uh, rapid fire the divisional round games, or if you're cool, you call them the conference semifinals, because that's what they should be called. Uh, Jaguars, Chiefs, yeah, this uh, look, the, there are six teams that should have Super Bowl aspirations. All six of them are in the uh, divisional round here, and then there are two other ones. This is the two Saturday games are like the two games that are not coin flips. I mean, the Chiefs should beat the Jaguars here, as cool as the Jaguars story has been. I think so. I mean, at this point, right? There's there's never a hundred percent certainty, right? There's always that little thing where it's like, well, you know, they they came storming back and now they're just white hot and Doug's got this seemingly endless bag of tricks and he knows Andy and all this stuff. But I don't know. I, I, I would hope that the chiefs have, you know, are stoic enough to be able to blow the doors off the Jaguars as they should be, you know? Yeah. Look at, and the way I put it, Deborah, the separation between the best and the worst team in the NFL is not that great. Uh, if these teams play 10 times, Jaguars win one or two. Uh, is this going to be one of those one or two? Uh, you know, do you get three tipped interceptions or something like that? Yeah, sure. You can win the game that way. Uh, but you got to have a lot of weird stuff breaking your way. Uh, same thing with this Saturday uh, NFC game. Giants going to uh, visit the Eagles here. Again, Giants kind of playing with house money at this point. It's not a terrible matchup uh, on paper. If you look at the strengths and weaknesses of each team, I guess. Right. I mean, there it's an athletic defense that can generate some pressure in Jacksonville. And if you do that, you could cover well. And we've seen situations where Patrick Mahomes, not struggles because he can pick anybody apart in any situation. But if you're gonna, if you're going to cause him the most agita, right, you, you put him in a situation where he's got to beat a pass rush and dissect um, you know, a, a bunch of bodies flying around in the secondary at once, as is true with most quarterbacks. I think Jacksonville could do that. Like, if they get hot, if they get hot and all of a sudden Trevon Walker and Josh Allen and everybody's just flying at the quarterback, maybe. Maybe. Sun <laughs> Sunday are the two uh, are the two sort of coin flip games here, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm picking Bills over Bengals. I, I know you probably pick the opposite here. Uh, the thing that I find really interesting is how Lou Anarumo is going to approach Josh Allen, because 
I do think there's something you said for the Dolphins, even though they got beat on some of those uh, zero blitzes. I don't know. It, like, when you blitz Josh Allen a lot, does it make him a little bit greedy? Does it make him a little bit reckless? And uh, if you go back over the Bengals' recent history, they've had some success. Like, you know, back to the AFC title game, they played, they were dropping eight into coverage, rushing three against Patrick Mahomes, and that kind of threw Mahomes' game off. If you take that tack with Josh Allen, uh, is he just going to, you know, take the opportunity to run for 12 yards like Patrick Mahomes should have done last, uh, you know, last year in that matchup? I still like, um, I forget who I saw do it this year against the Bills, but I still like having an athletic defensive tackle spy on Josh Allen and inviting him to run very early and just Mm -hmm. having like a 300-pound guy bringing him to the ground consistently um, over and over again and making that an unpalatable choice for him and taking that off the table. Now, if you're Allen, you're a gamer, and you're obviously going to rise above that, but if you can make that an unpleasant enough option where he hesitates even slightly, that is the game in this situation. I think it's going to be close. Both quarterbacks are excellent. And this is one of those things where the the line is going to be so fine. And so I think anything you can do to, to discourage him from running is valuable. And uh, Cowboys 49ers is the other one. I, I guess I have to pick the Cowboys. It's my brand now. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have plenty of people telling me it's my brand now, so I'll stick with it. Uh, Look, if they're going to win, it's because Dan Quinn has uh, done something to frazzle Brock Purdy at this point, and you win kind of a relatively low-scoring game. Uh, I will say the one red flag with the Cowboys from Monday night was, and I don't want to pick on one guy, he's a great player, but uh, Trevon Diggs really was having issues tackling people, Um, just not great i'm not sure if he's dealing with some sort of uh you know minor nagging injury at this point but uh you 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 have to tackle 49ers like that's that's not gonna be uh you're you're just gonna give up adr touchdowns if you don't get them on the ground yeah i mean this is you know and i have gotten a tackling uh, i well let me think one of our colleagues I think I got some sort of a, a live rule seminar. I think I've seen Dan Quinn tackle someone in his own office. Like, yeah. Uh, I think, um, but I think our the original MMQB team got like a full-on tackling seminar from Dan mm-hmm. Quinn before I got there. I think when I went to go see him, it was some sort of a rule that he was demonstrating, but it involved him tackling someone else. So I don't know, man. If there's anybody out there that's going to fix tackling, in a short period of time, it's going to be Dan Quinn, who um, may or may not have tackled former uh, uh, Sports Illustrated senior writer Robert Klimko. I don't know. Was Robert there? Did Robert get tackled by Dan Quinn? It who seems, got tackled by Dan Quinn? Yeah, it's it seems. Oh, you know who? Uh, I think Andy got tackled by Dan Quinn. Oh, that 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 makes sense. I do think it was a thing that Dan Quinn was doing back then, though, where if you, uh, a media member come at you, you would uh, he'd be like, "You want me to tackle you?" And some people would be like, cool, yeah. Why not? So the NFC game, we have the Giants uh, going to play the Eagles. Not like a nightmare matchup on paper. I, I know that the you know the first matchup wasn't really close, so maybe it is. But I don't know. I mean, you, you, you have a, a stout defensive line that can probably deal with his Eagles run game. And uh, maybe you take advantage of the Eagles' struggles to, to stop the run uh, over you know, the, the second half of the season here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, right? Um, Dexter Lawrence is really good. Um, and and maybe he, he's he got one of those games that just blows some people out of the water. And I will say this. I mean, the Giants offensive line is, cap- is capable of getting on a heater. You know, mm-hmm. I think that they can get hot. Um, is it likely? Not necessarily, but you have an elite top five offensive tackle on the left side. And then you got a bunch of guys who are learning uh, in concert around him. Like if I'm just saying, if both lines get hot, this game gets uncomfortably close for the Eagles. That's what I'll say. And I'll say before we move on, uh, the Giants did win the Odell Beckham Jr. trade because they got Dexter Lawrence with that draft. Fair. Even though I hate when people uh, do it by a figuring out who the draft pick was. (laughs) Dexter Lawrence is really good. He was really good last week. 
The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Grenling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit, once tackled by Dan Quinn, is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.